Welcome, everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. I'm Brent Kuhlman. I'm here with Clint Poppy, who's back from vacation. And Adam Oline's here. We're all here. The whole gang's here. And we've been rejoicing in holy baptism, the gift of holy baptism. And we've been flowing it out of Matthew 28, 19, where God gives us his divine and saving name. And can, I emphasize that. Can I ask that. a question? Sure. Um, I hope it's not I'm sophomore. Not, I'm not sure that I know. I'm not sure that I know the correct usage of the term begging a question. So I'll just throw it out there. When you talk about holy baptism, does that mean that there is such a thing as unholy baptism? Holy baptism emphasizes the fact that it's the Lord's. It's his gift to us. And it's something by which he bestows and gives us his holiness that we wear, as Paul speaks about in Galatians 3, that if you've been baptized into Christ, you now wear Christ. You've been clothed with Christ. Say, Unholy baptism, my goodness. Unholy would be, uh, I would suggest this. I, I wasn't prepared to answer such questions, so on top of the head. That's my job here. That's my yeah, role. I would, I would say go to herchurch.org, and you'll find out what unholy baptism is, which makes a mockery of what our Lord instituted <coughs> when uh, these ELCA pastors, and I say that uh, uh, very, I'm not sure how, just go to, go to herchurch.org. These are ELCA congregations and pastors who do not baptize according to our Lord's mandate and institution in Matthew 20, 19. They refuse to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And they, they've changed our Lord's mandate and institution so they don't have a baptism. The people that they supposedly baptize aren't baptized. Or, for example, <coughs> this really happens. These examples I'm going to give now, that this really happens where you have pastors who will <coughs> bring people up for a baptism and they'll say the right words. They'll say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But then they sprinkle rose petals on the person or confetti. That's not a baptism either. And you don't talk like this. Well, these people need to be rebaptized. No, they weren't baptized. They need to be baptized. Okay. So, I, you know, I, w- I was thinking specifically, you know, uh, I know that there are some denominations that have changed the liturgy so that uh, the the male pronouns are not there. That's so, herchurch.org. So, but I was thinking of in the name of the creator oh, and yeah. the justifier and the sanctifier, rather than using the formula that Christ has given us, would that be an unholy baptism? That would not be a baptism. Okay. I'll, I'll and, speak of it that way. It would not be a baptism. And what about uh, uh, churches that deny the Holy Trinity, like the uh, Mormon church or the Jehovah's Witnesses church, but use the formula? Th- that's that would be an unholy baptism or an, a non-baptism as well, right? Yeah, two things. Number one, uh, I'm just going to brush your teeth on how you talked about that. And I'm, I'm not. Uh, it's just we do this all the time. But I'm. They're not church. Mormonism isn't church. Jehovah's Witnesses not church. It's paganism. It's unbelief, and they may use the right words, but it's not a baptism. Okay, so they're just pretending. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I I didn't mean to throw you for a loop, but. You know, these are the questions that people have, right. and I learned long ago, I think probably from you, that when we have people coming into the Lutheran Church from non-Lutheran denominations, not only do we ask the question, are you, are you baptized, <laughs> but how. are you baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And then you have to ask, and was water used? That's the, You have to ask both questions now these days. And, you know, this. I'm glad you raised this, Clint, because... Uh, um, yeah, you don't get brownie points with me, but it's <laughs> it's helpful for our listeners. 
<laughs> uh, Vicar brought donuts, so <laughs> yeah, no brownie points, well, but donut points. For me as a pastor, and you and I have been at this for a long time, and I think you will resonate with what I'm about ready to say, I'm going to speak in general to make my point. I think it would be most helpful if our district presidents and our synodical president would address issues like this and other issues related to it. They don't. And I think it's time that they start do that, start doing this. And I'm, Namely, we need, as a district president, the district president needs to teach the pastors. These are some of the questions you need to ask people when they join your congregations from like an Episcopal background or a Methodist background. I, I don't even think this even is registering on their radar screens for the most part, at least maybe, at least far as <coughs> I know. Uh, because many officials in the church, district synodical officials, are so detached from what actually goes on in the day-to-day life of a congregation. Could these, be. These things are probably not even on their radar. Could be. Now, l- let's let's rejoice. Adam, I'll, I'm going to put you to the test. Now, I, I've been put to the test. Let's put Adam to the test because he's the best <laughs> theologian in this room. And handsomest. That's exactly I mean, right. handsomest for sure. The best is questionable. You're like Ted Nugent. I mean, you're always, you always have a gun in your hand or a bow or a crossbow or something or a knife. That's I, have his, hunting. I have his autograph at home. I'll bring it next <laughs> I'll week. I'll bet you do. <laughs> you know, the large catechism says that to be baptized uh, in God's name is to be baptized by, do you remember? To be baptized in God's name is to be baptized by... Boy, God himself. say the Holy Spirit. God himself. Yeah, the large catechism says this. To be baptized in God's name is to be baptized by God himself. And uh, the catechism, the large catechism continues, says, even though you see a man's hand doing it, it's the Lord doing it. Why? Because when when baptism is done according to the Lord's mandate and institution, Matthew 20, 19, when the Lord's name is being given, he's there putting his name on the person. So the triune God is actually doing the baptizing through the hand of the pastor and using the mouth of the pastor to speak his words. And this gets back to uh, a number of things. Number one, if you're, a, if you're a Neoplatonic kind of person, that is to say if you follow Platonism, uh, Platonism of course teaches that anything that is physical or creaturely is not good and you have to escape all this. So you know, uh, you can't, the body is, is not good, so you have to escape it. The soul, the soul has to escape the prison house. So, you know, th- what I've just said from the large catechism is offensive to a Neoplatonic person, and that's made a lot of Protestants are Neoplatonic. I, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, in, in Wolf Mueller's uh, recent book, well, I guess probably four or five years old now, where he critiques American Christianity, he puts much of American Christianity in that camp. Because the reason that they reject the um, sacraments of holy baptism and holy communion are because they are material things. And all theology, all of God's work takes place in the heart. So anything that takes place outside of the heart must be bad, must be wrong, must be um, uh, 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 you you must be uh, skeptical of it. Yeah, this, this is a huge problem in Christianity in general. Um, and this is, why, this is why when pastors and theologians romanticize early church fathers, I'm talking about after the apostles. You know, Paul warns us in the New Testament to watch out for philosophy. I don't know if you know this, folks, but he does. Um, it's in uh, his letter to the Colossians, if I remember correctly. It is. And I, I'm, boy, my mind is reeling now, so I'm going to try and put this all together now to make the, make the cogent point. 
Again, when, when pastors and theologians romanticize early church history, in particular post-apostolic church history and early church fathers, they forget that uh, many early Christians were Neoplatonists. And uh, we, this, this train of thought has continued all the way through the medieval church up until our times, namely that God can't work through creaturely things, or God cannot bestow divine gifts through creaturely or physical things. And so this is why in our milieu, our culture in America, uh, people don't come running to the Lutheran church, which teaches that in holy baptism, the most important thing is the word hooked with the water by which God actually gives his divine and saving name. He actually does the baptizing and he's actually there doing it through a creature called a pastor through a creature's mouth who speaks the words, the pastor, and through the creature's hand that applies the creaturely water. This, and this is a huge problem because if you push this to, the, to its ultimate conclusion, then that means God cannot take on flesh. The second person of the Trinity can't take And by the way, folks, see, this is, why, this is why Christianity in general has gone off the rails. When, when it becomes Neoplatonic in thought. So <laughs> Ulrich Zwingli, who had the big argument with Dr. Luther at Marburg on the Lord's Supper, Zwingli contended that you do not receive the body and blood of Christ. You only receive bread and wine, and the bread and wine are only symbolic of a body and blood that are up in heaven, but not with the, bre- with the bread and the wine. Why did Zwingli say this? Because he followed Neoplatonic philosophy. And why, why else am I bringing this up? Well, I've done this before, and I'll say it again, just for the sake of generalization. Why has Christianity in the West gone off the rails and denied the Trinity, for example, and everything else, the physical resurrection of Jesus? Well, trace it back to Zwingli, who denied that God cannot convey divine body, divine blood through a physical piece of bread and a little sip of wine. And some of the theologians that followed Zwingli, and now many of them, even to this day, have followed this to the hilt and now deny all the teachings of Scripture with regard to, like, the incarnation, the bodily resurrection, etc., because God can't do these things. And the Apostle Paul or uh, John warned us about this in 1 John chapter 4, that if you deny that Jesus has come into the flesh, into the flesh you are Antichrist. Antichrist. I mean, we spent six months talking about Antichrist. This is how Antichrist slides in the back door when people are not discerning with regard to this. Pastor, uh, I just want to ask you a quick question. You know, you, you gave a marvelous uh teaching with regard to the power in holy baptism and you said that the power was in the word now there are some um, well-intended christians that would say that the power is not in the word the power is in the pastor or the priest that the pastor or the priest has been given an indelible character or some special powers in his ordination that either he or he uh, his power makes the baptism valid, or his power uh, blesses the water, which makes the baptism valid. How would you respond to that? That's not biblical. The, the Bible doesn't teach that. But keep in mind in Matthew 28, when Jesus gives the command to make disciples of all nations by baptizing and teaching, he gives it to men you can't be certain of. Because as the text says in Matthew 28, they worshiped and they doubted. And I know Moline has talked about that verb doubting. Uh, in a different way than I'm pushing it here. But these are men 
who denied the Lord, like Peter, who ran away, couldn't, they fell asleep, etc. These are men you can't depend on. So what, what makes baptism baptism is the word, not the man. So anybody who And t- I don't think we can emphasize that too much. Right. It's the power of the word of God, the word that Jesus gave us to use, that he gave that that directive, that mandate, that commission, use these words. Let me give you another example from scripture where you can't depend on the man or the man's personality or what is called an indelible character if you're a Roman Catholic. You remember Peter in Matthew 16, he gives the right confession that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And then of course... Uh, then Peter denies what that means. And Jesus says, here's what it means, Peter. I'm going to suffer, die, and rise from dead. And Peter says, no, 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 that can't happen to you. I, you know, I'm the first pope. I'm the pope. I'll never let this happen. I won't pope the church with the suffering dead and resurrected Christ. Of course, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Point being, Jesus says that he will build his church in Matthew 16, not on Peter or Peter's personality, but rather on the truth, the objective truth from God's word, Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven, and that'd be through the word. It's through the word that the church is built, namely the word, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. All right. Hey, hey, amen. Amen. Now, so back to where I started. I, I, we're going to play music now, are we? Or are we gonna, oh, we're going to take a break. Yeah. Hesitant there for a minute. We'll come back. I got more to say about baptism. Hang on, Toby. Because the truth. 